the history of the people of God is that um, our our history, our family story, is one of of suffering, is one of persecution. Um, to think about um, uh, people like Abel, who suffered at the hands of uh, his brother Cain. Uh, to think about Noah, who was persecuted and suffered at the hands of those who rejected God during his time. To think about uh, Joseph, who was persecuted by his brothers and suffered unjustly in Egypt. Uh, to think about David, who suffered at and was persecuted at the hands of Saul. Or the people of God, as we've seen, uh, as we've been going through, uh, through Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, uh, Daniel himself. Later, we would see uh, the, uh, the apostles uh, suffer throughout the book of Acts for their proclaiming the truth of Jesus. As we go extend past the, uh, the, the end of, of the narrative and the history and time period of the Scriptures, we see people throughout the history of the people of God who suffered and were killed, losing life, family, property, for proclaiming and calling on the name of Jesus. Uh, even recently, as we've seen in China, um, churches that are being destroyed and whole congregations imprisoned. Or to think about we've, how we prayed diligently for Andrew Brunson, someone who, uh, in the name of Jesus, serving in Turkey, was falsely a prison, imprisoned um, and held uh, uh, in, uh, in jail there later to be released. What? What if God were to come to you? Come to me and say that in order for you to fully experience and enjoy uh, all of the, the aspects of, of my kingdom and all that I've secured, it's going to be a road of deep suffering and persecution and struggle. You will be assaulted. You will suffer at the hands of others for my name and for following me. And it will be a long, hard, difficult road. How would you respond? What would be your reaction to hearing that? Fear? Anger? The feeling that God has, has maybe rejected or abandoned you? Would it be one of, uh, of delight and courage that God would call you to such a thing? Would it be confusion? Wondering what this means about God and His, his perspective or His, his thoughts, his, his feelings, His love for you. There's a a lot of uh, responses and emotions that might come up. Temptations that might arise. Temptations to want to do what we could to avoid potentially that, that suffering. Well, as we are going through and continuing through our journey in the book of uh, Daniel, um, we are going to see in this chapter that what God is calling His people to in chapter 7 of the book of Daniel is for us to, uh, to endure, to persevere in the midst of suffering and persecution, trusting in our God. Um, remember, this book 
uh, is, uh, uh, is compiled of um, the experiences of, uh, of Daniel, a prophet who was um, serving God in the midst of Babylon as the people of God had gone to exile. This book has been compiled uh, for the people of God who, who subsequently returned from Babylon and are back in Judah looking at the world around them and realizing it didn't really look like they thought that it was going to look. Uh, the other, the, even though God has delivered them from Babylon, they're still suffering at the hands of other kingdoms. Uh, and, and they're wondering about the prospect of God's kingdom coming and what it might mean, the implications it might have for them, that there is no ruler in Judah, there is no king, there is no temple, the city lays in ruins. Um, and it's written as well to us who wonder and look forward and, and long for the coming of our King and the establishment of His kingdom. Uh, this morning, we're in chapter 7. Um, remember uh, that as so far what we've seen is most of Daniel up to this point has been narrative. Now we're making a shift where we're going to begin to... Daniel is going to be recounting to us visions that God has given him, these prophetic visions of God communicating to Daniel for the sake of his people, um, uh, things that, that are, are yet to come, that we might find comfort and uh, safety and security in our God as we await his kingdom and as we endure suffering that lies ahead. So, if you would, turn with me to chapter 7 of the book of Daniel. If you're following along in one of the black Bibles there in your seats, this is on page uh, 744. So follow along with me as we hear from the Word of God this morning. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, this picks back up to the time period right before the writing on the wall we saw a few weeks ago. Uh, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold... Another beast, a second one, like a bear, it was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this, I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, Terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth that devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as, was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. 
His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out before Him. A thousand thousand served Him and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before Him. The court sat in judgment and the books were open. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and His kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which is different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet and about the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn that came up and before which three of them fell the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things and seemed, that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth which shall be different from all the kingdoms and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times and the law, and shall be and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and his and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you. that uh, you have given uh, words of encouragement, words of hope uh, to your people. Uh, we pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that uh, sometimes can these confusing parts of your scriptures, that you would give us insight today, um, apply your word to our hearts, that we would endure and hope and trust in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Um, So God, through this chapter, is uh, seeking to encourage His people to endure, to trust and hope in Him in the midst of suffering and persecution. The first reason we see that God would want to encourage His people to endure and to hope and trust in Him is because suffering will happen. 
You're going to need to endure. You're going to need to hope and trust in me because suffering is coming. Notice how we see that here. First, we see that suffering comes at the hands of our enemies. This chapter has a lot of confusing imagery. Remember, this message would have been communicated by God specifically to Daniel, a chosen representative and spokesperson for him to his people, came in the, 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 the context and the form of a dream. Um, if you've ever had a dream, you know things in there are confusing and you don't have a clue what's going on. Um, this one is given specifically to Daniel, and in the midst of the dream, there's interpretation that's given. Uh, notice these, these beasts that are described. Now, one thing we, we don't want to get sidetracked by is sometimes what people seek to want to do is try to identify each and every aspect of the details of this dream and who each of the beasts are and who the horns are and all of this. Um, Notice that the interpreter of this dream that speaks to Daniel doesn't get caught up in in all of that. The interpreter of this dream um, speaks very generally to Daniel. Uh, Notice what he says in verse 17 about these beasts. These beasts... These four great beasts are four kings that shall arise out of the earth. These are going to be, uh, these are kings or kingdoms. Remember, that as we've seen in Daniel, king and kingdom kind of go hand in hand as the ruler and the dominion over which. And one king uh, might represent uh, multiple or many kings that would, would be to, to, to come. Um, some of the aspects of this and trying to see who these kings are, well, I mean, as we look over it, this first one had the eagle's wings and four great beasts came out of the sea. The lion had eagle's wings and it was plucked off and then he was made to stand on two feet like a man and given the mind of a man. That kind of sounds a little bit like Nebuchadnezzar before. Is it possible that this is speaking of, of Babylon? Some people think so. Then the next subsequent kingdom would potentially be the Medes and the Persians and it would go on to Greek, to Greece and then Rome. But there's aspects of this to where it doesn't seem to really fit in that time period. The end of this vision is speaking of things that are yet to come when God establishes his kingdom fully and completely forever, that all of God's enemies are defeated and that the glories of all kings and kingdoms are given to him and his people. So there's an aspect of, of this this vision that's given to Daniel where there might be some correlation to kings and kingdoms that existed throughout the, the history of the world. But at the same time, there's, there seems to be a culmination of all of these kingdoms of man who have opposition against God, who are his enemies and who are against his people uh, that these uh, these beasts represent collectively and that this horn, um, potentially a, a, a supreme enemy of God that in the New Testament a lot of times is described potentially as a, an antichrist, one who is against the anointed one, against God's king, against God's kingdom. Let's not get lost in that, but to see that what's being presented here is that these are enemies of God, kingdoms opposed to God and opposed to his people. And these enemies will bring suffering and persecution and will assault God's people. Notice how they're described in verses three through eight. Uh, These beasts are described as being powerful and dominating. They're terrifying. Even the fact that they're described as beasts show us that they're in in conflict with God's intentions and purposes for humanity and our rule in the world. 
It's interesting that we'll look at this later. The, 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 the ruler of God's kingdom is presented as being a human. To show truly God's intentions and purposes for, for humanity. But, but these kings are beasts opposed to God's purposes in the world. Notice in verse 25, these, these enemies of, of God. Uh, it explicitly says in verse 25 that they shall speak words against the Most High. And it goes on, they shall wear out the saints of the Most High. In verse 21, it says that, the, that the, this horn representative of this chief rebeller uh, against God, this chief ruler, will make war with the saints, will prevail over them. Uh, the, the picture here is that these are enemies who hate God. And because they hate God, they hate everything that is associated with God. And they are intent and will bring persecution and suffering uh, to God's people. It lies ahead. And notice that over and over, it's not just one kingdom. It's kingdom after kingdom. Maybe the four, the, the numbers of four and the numbers of ten are to present a wholeness and a completeness, a long time stretching into the future. That this will not just be a momentary thing, but for the foreseeable future, what God's people can expect is rebellion by the nations of this world and the, kings of the, uh, the kingdoms of man and persecution and suffering at their hands. What do we do? What do we do with that? That our God, our King, is telling us that following Him means that we will face suffering. That we could, and some of us will, lose our lives for following Him in this great battle, on this road to see His kingdom established. Um, several, it's been many years ago now, there's a, 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 a mini-series that came out called Band of Brothers. It was highlighting uh, the, this easy company of the 101st Airborne um, during World War II from their, their training in the U.S., their training in England, and then them journeying as they, uh, they landed in France and moved their way to, to Germany during World War II. And during some of their training, there was uh, a lieutenant. Um, his name was Lieutenant Sobel. And he was leading these guys in, in a lot of these training exercises, and he was mean, and he was harsh, and he was really hard on the guys. Uh, but, but what they began to see is that although he spoke big, he was really incompetent. He, had, he could not be a good leader. Anytime they had these, uh, these mock wars and battles and training and preparation for their time, because they knew we're going into war. We expect suffering. We expect it to be hard. But Sobel would get his whole company that he was leading killed and doing ridiculous stuff that people warned him and told him against and he headstrong pursued in, leading all of his men into uh, suffering and great loss. Once they got into England, they were in another, uh, another training time. He got everybody lost in the woods because he couldn't read a map. The reason these guys uh, feared following Sobel in war, the, the reason, because of his leadership meant they were going to come about and experience suffering. So much so that they went to their superior officer and said, we are not going to follow this guy. We are rebelling against his leadership because it means nothing but suffering for us. 
And the, the commander said, uh, this isn't allowed. If you, if you take this stand, you will lose your rank. And all of them said, we'll take it. Dock our rank. Do whatever you need to do. We will not follow this guy and his incompetence into this battle because it will mean suffering for us and we will not do it. Our God, like Lieutenant Sobel, is that what we're seeing here is the reason that we will experience suffering? And the reason that as we follow him in pursuit of this kingdom, we will suffer because he's incompetent, because he's unable to protect us and he's reckless and cruel with our lives. Do we want to not follow him because this is what lies ahead? Look in this passage that one of the reasons we'll suffer is not just because we're suffering at the hands of our enemies and that suffering will happen, but it's actually because it's according to the purposes of God. It's not His incompetence, but it's because of His purposes. Notice in verse 4, as it talks about these, these beasts, notice all the stuff that happens to them. In verse 4, the wings of this lion were plucked off. It was lifted up from the ground. It was made to stand on two feet. The mind of a man was given to it. Uh, further down in verse 5, with this bear, it is told to arise, to devour much flesh. Then of the, the leopard, it talks about this beast with the four heads, that dominion was given to it. Then in verse uh, 12, notice how it describes again. For the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away. And then in verse 25, as it speaks about this ultimate uh, ruler that is a rebel and king that is to come. In verse 25, um, it says, and uh, following, um, that uh, he will be. Uh, I lost my place here. Uh, uh, in verse 26, his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. But then even to look at how it describes uh, the suffering that the people experience. Notice in verse uh, 25, it says this. Um, he shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and, sh uh, and shall think to take, change the times and seasons of the law, and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. None of this is happening outside of God's sovereign control and his purposes. The raising up of these kingdoms, everything that happens for them, them being placed in the, the time and the, the, the situations that they're in, the authority and the power that they're given come from God. None of this is happening, is, is surprising him. He's purposing it and intention it. And when he wants to, he can give dominion to them. And when he wants to, he can take it away. The, the suffering that God's people experience, there's a limit on it. Notice again, back in verse 27, what, what it says. Um, or verse 25, they shall be given into his hand for a time, times and half a time. Who's giving the people of God into the hands of this suffering? It's God. God's given, it, given us into the hands of our enemies 
But notice, even then, time, time, half a time, it doesn't say forever. It's limited. Why? Because God is over all of this. All of this fits into his purposes and his design. He is the sovereign ruler of all things. And the suffering that we experience isn't because he's incompetent. It's because in his purposes, in his good purposes, remember we've seen this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trusting in him, even if he wouldn't deliver them because they know his ways are just, he is righteous and he is good. God will at times give his people over into the hands of our enemies for suffering. Is it because of our sin? No, that's not the context that Daniel's talking about here. It's to accomplish the purposes of God and to show his glory as we suffer for his namesake. This isn't just something that uh, Daniel spoke of hypothetically. This isn't just something that, that, that uh, was true for the people who were listening and hearing this here. Uh, in fact, over the course of the next several uh, nations that would arise and be in control, uh, God's people would suffer time and time and time again. But even today, God's people are suffering. There are, are some of you here who, uh, in your school right now, when you uh, acknowledge that you believe in a creator, that things just didn't happen on accident, just that the world didn't, wasn't created by random acts of, uh, of, uh, of biology um, or uh, evolution, um, that you're ridiculed in school maligned for being so foolish to believe uh, fables like that. That is suffering, persecution for calling on the name of Jesus. There are others of you who, in your workplace, uh, people who know that you follow Christ will intentionally come around you and tell jokes and talk about certain things because they know that it riles you up because of your faith and your trust in Jesus. That's persecution. In fact, there's uh, a member of our church now in uh, their workplace. Uh, there's uh, a group of people that they work with who are intentionally trying because they know there's two believers who work in this, this uh, employment place. Uh, they're trying intentionally to do what they can to bring conflict and disruption between these two people, these two believers, to, oppose, to set them against one another. To, to tell uh, sometimes lies and just to build up uh, uh, tension and conflict there because they see that they follow Jesus and they think that it's funny to see two believers divided in the midst of their workplace because they're convicted as they see the righteousness that these two people are living out before their God. God is calling us as His people and saying, we will suffer for following Him. How do we respond? How do we respond to that? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Is it dread? Is it anger? Is it questioning and wondering why God would put us in a place like this? What we see here is that we don't have an incompetent God. We don't see a God that this is a surprise. What's going on here? God isn't looking into the future and seeing what is going to take place, and then telling Daniel. We were having this discussion with the kids over dinner a few nights ago 
Uh, and this is how they would explain the God that we serve. God doesn't tell us the future. God makes the future. That is the sovereign God that we serve. Any suffering that we go through and any suffering that's happened here, God isn't looking in a crystal ball. God isn't looking into what will happen. He has purposed it, intended it, ordained it. He makes the future. And the purpose is that us as God's people will be comforted, will trust and rest in our all-powerful, sovereign God who for His purposes calls us into suffering. But notice, our comfort and our endurance shouldn't just come in the midst of the suffering that is ahead, but also we should endure and be comforted in the midst of our suffering because vindication, vindication will come for God's people. Notice, as these nations are, are rebelling and raging against God, Notice what Daniel interjects in the, in the middle of this in verse 9. And as I looked in the midst of what all these, these nations are doing, these enemies, thrones were placed. The Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow and the hair of his head was pure, was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court set in judgment and the books were opened. Uh, the, the picture here is that this ancient of days is not talking about this old man, but the one who has been in existence from forever. He had no beginning. He will have no end. He is the ruler and king over all. He is the, 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 the white. The purity shows his holiness, his perfection, his righteousness. These images of all this fire around him is the pictures of the fires of judgment as he sits on his throne to judge those who rebel against him. And notice the judgment that is coming in verse 17. As for the, the rest of the beast, uh, their dominion was taken away. Oh, sorry. Verse 11. Uh, now, look, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. This judgment is coming. Destruction is coming for those who uh, hold themselves up over against God. Look again in verse 26 as the emphasis is here that vindication will come, that God, the judge, will come and will rule rightly, will say what is wrong, will condemn the evildoer and exalt and defend those who are hoping in him. In verse 26, the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. God's just judgment is sure. It is coming and it will last forever until and forever. God's enemies will be destroyed and suffer judgment before him. Uh, there was... A, um, a, a book and a movie that came out several years ago called The Prince of Tides. And in this uh, one, uh, one place in this book, uh, there's a family. Um, uh, the, the mom and a uh, uh, couple of sisters and a son are in the, in the home. Um, and some men who break out of prison come and, uh, and assault this home. They break in and they, uh, they attack the members of this household assaulting them in cruel and vicious ways. 
the oldest son, um, was away from the home at the time. And he hears what's going on inside. And he looks in the window and he sees these atrocities happening to his family members. And he's distraught because there's nothing he can do to stop it. There's one thing that he thinks of. The family, for whatever reason, has a pet tiger. The tiger's in a cage in the back. And it's described as being barely tamed, barely trained. And he goes out and he opens the gate to where the tiger is. And he opens the door and he lets the tiger in. And the tiger, recognizing the family, leaves them alone. And he goes directly and immediately for the assaulters, for the enemies who are attacking the members of this family. And he destroys every single one of them. And the son, speaking later, says, when they chose to wreak havoc on our household, on our family, they chose wrong. What God is telling us here, and He's sending a message to all of His enemies, that when you choose to wreak havoc on My people, you choose wrong. And what God tells His people is that in the midst of your suffering, although you may think and feel that you are being overwhelmed and that no hope, no redemption, no vindication, no defense is coming, know for sure it will. And I will come and I will destroy my enemies. I will defend you to the uttermost. They chose wrong. And my defense and my judgment is on your behalf. We will be vindicated. But, but even more than just a tiger destroying some enemies, notice how much farther God's work of vindication goes. Notice in verse 13 and 14, this king that's described, the son of man. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all nations, peoples, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Uh, this picture of this son of man, that son of man is a language that's used generally just to describe a human. But here in, in this, this instance, as, as Daniel is describing it, this is no mere human. He's described as coming in the clouds throughout the, the, the scriptures. The one who comes in the clouds is God himself. This is, this is a, a God man who is the king and ruler over all things. All authority, all dominion, all power is given to him. He is given a kingdom that lasts forever. But notice what happens to the people of this king to those who are members of the kingdom. In verse 21, it says uh, that the, the, the horn this is making war against the saints. It's prevailing over them until the Ancient of Days comes. And judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Judgment comes. Judgment comes for the saints of God's people, for his called out ones, for his precious citizens of his kingdom. Judgment comes and they're given a kingdom. Notice how it goes on and, and it describes even more in verse 27. 
the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heavens. So all of these enemies who were in power and in control and, ex- uh, uh, and assaulting God's people, their kingdoms are going to be taken away. And notice, they shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. What God is saying is His vindication goes even further because His kingdom and His rule, our enemies aren't just defeated, but God's people are exalted and we are experiencing the glory that comes from this King assuming the throne. The way the the worldview of the Old Testament works is God doesn't relate directly, individually to people. God always goes through a covenant representative. And as it goes to the representative, so it goes for the people. And this son of man that is being described here is God's representative king, the one who rules on behalf of a people. And as it goes for him, so it goes for the people. And what does that king get? A kingdom that will never end. A kingdom that lasts forever. The kingdom of all of the world. And what do we see? So who does it go for his people? God exalts those who suffered. God exalts those who experienced the, the prevailing over from the hands of these enemies. And God says, I will give you a kingdom with him. And notice what he says. It's as if Daniel ran out of words in verse 18. The saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom. And will we lose it? No. We will possess it forever. Forever and ever. This is how great and full and complete the vindication of our God will be. Who is this son of man? Who is this king? What's interesting, in in, in the New Testament, the way that Jesus loved to refer to himself was he called himself over and over the son of man. And as he was on trial before uh, the, the chief priests and the scribes, and they were questioning him on wondering, was he the one to come or not? And they were accusing him of blasphemy and he was suffering at their hands. He says this, Jesus remained silent. He gave no answer. And the high priest again asked, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus says, I am. And you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds. And they considered it blasphemy. Jesus is relating it back to this. Jesus is saying, I am the Son of Man. I am the King. I am the ruler over all things. And I write, you are going to see it as I rise from the dead, proving that everything that I, I confessed and professed about who I was will come true. Jesus' resurrection from the dead demonstrated that He is the true and rightful ruler of all things and that the defense and uh, secure deliverance of His people will come. We as God's people can endure and take great comfort from the fact that not only will we suffer, but that vindication will come. And lastly, the last thing that we see here is that we need to endure. We need to take comfort in the midst of our suffering because... We don't suffer alone. Did you see that in this passage? Notice who's sitting around the Ancient of Days. Again, Daniel runs out of words to use. He can't describe it. A thousand thousand served him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. Daniel's not alone. 
This is a picture here showing us the saints of God, those who are God's people gathered around him, trusting in him, worshiping him. You notice it's Daniel's response here. Remember, Daniel's in Babylon, but uh, and then later he'll be in uh, under the kingdom of the Medes and Persians. He doesn't suffer as much of this uh, persecution that's uh, that's foretold. I mean, we saw him in the, in the lion's den, but this is telling of suffering and persecution that will, uh, will lies ahead for the people of God for centuries and generations and generations until the end. Do you notice Daniel's response? It tells us in verse 15, he was anxious. His visions alarmed him. In the end, his thoughts greatly alarmed him. His color changed. Daniel's response to hearing of the suffering of God's people is grief. Is, distraught, is being distraught. He identifies himself because he is a part of the, the kingdom of this, of this Son of Man. He realizes the suffering that is, is to lie ahead is his suffering. It's not just they will suffer. It's we, as God's people, suffer. The person in our congregation who's suffering in the midst of their workplace, it's not just that they are suffering. We, we are suffering just because they're a member of Harbor Presbyterian Church. No, but that's a big part of it. Just this past week uh, in um, in India, uh, uh, Hindu extremists attacked a group of Christians who were who were praying and uh, and, and reading the scriptures and teaching. Uh, they destroyed their church. They beat them with rods, took all of their books uh, paraded them through the streets and forced them to go through a ceremony that would convert them back into being Hindu, although they resisted. One man who was the leader was beaten so bad, his leg could not heal and it had to be amputated. That is not just they suffer. Christians in India suffer. We suffer. We are suffering in India right now. We are suffering in China right now as members of churches are being uh, uh, arrested and people are hearing, not hearing from them anymore because they serve the one living and true God and are hoping in Jesus. We are suffering there. What we need to realize and see, what Daniel is pointing us to is that we are not suffering alone. We can endure because we know that collectively as God's people, we are praying for, encouraging, and identifying ourselves together as the suffering citizens of God's kingdom. But notice, it's just not us. We suffer with our king. The son of man that's described. Again, uh, Jesus, we've already seen, he identifies himself as being this one, this God-man who rules over all things, who's ruling and reigning now. But guess Guess what Jesus taught about this Son of Man? In Mark chapter 8, Jesus says this, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, that He must be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and killed, and after three days rise again. And then Peter gets mad at him and he begins to rebuke him. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus is saying here that part of his role as the, as the son of man is to suffer, to bring deliverance for his people. 
And in fact, later he will tell his disciples, the reason you're called to suffer is because I suffered. They persecuted me and they're going to persecute you. Later in Acts, as as, uh, 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 Peter and James and John and these guys suffer, you see them rejoicing in the fact that they are identified as being one of the members of Jesus' people and that they suffer for His namesake. But what we see here is that our King suffers for us. And the reason we are suffering is because He suffered. He isn't just uh, risky with our lives. He is not calling us to do something that He did not do Himself. And even more so, Jesus suffered, He was rejected, and He died. But He's coming again. Because He rose from the dead. And the suffering King, the Son of Man, was not defeated. But it was through His death that He secured victory for His people. It was through His resurrection that He proved that everything that He said and everything that He set out to accomplish was true. And that shows us that He will come again. And everything that He's promising here in Daniel to these people and what He's promising here to us is that we can endure because our King will return to bring victory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for your uh, for the truth of Your Word. This is a hard message to hear that suffering lies ahead for us. We pray, though, that we would have hope Resting in Jesus, the Son of Man, who has suffered for us, who will return for us, who has secured victory for us. We pray this in His name. Amen. As Jesus, the Son of Man, was on His way to suffer...